0: It's good to be in church today. So my Bible reading this morning took me through Daniel chapter 2, where King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon had a dream, and he told all of his wise men, I want you to interpret the dream. And they said, well, just tell us what the dream was, and we'll tell you what it means. He said, oh, no, 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 no. You tell me what the dream is, and tell me the interpretation. And none of them could do it. And the king said, I want every wise man killed. And eventually they called for Daniel, and Daniel prayed. And God not only gave him the interpretation of the dream, but he also told him what the dream was. And this is what it says toward the end of the chapter. Whenever Daniel finished telling the king, this was your dream, and this is what it means, the king said, it it, it is of a truth. Your God is a God of gods and the Lord of kings and the revealer of secrets. And it says that the king actually prostrated himself before Daniel and commanded all of the people to worship Daniel and to offer up offerings and sweet smelling aromas to Daniel. And here's what I get out of all of that. Nebuchadnezzar was a pagan king, had no relationship with God whatsoever. But God knew how to get his attention, speak his language language, and talk to him in a way that he knew and understand this is God. And whenever it was all said and done, this is what Nebuchadnezzar could say. Out of all of the glory that was in the city of Babylon, out of all of the riches that his empire possessed, all he could say is, you know what, Daniel? The glory belongs to your God. He truly is a God of gods and a Lord of kings. And we're going to give that same God worship today and give him praise.
1: Lord, we magnify your name.
2: been manifested here today, so you don't have to worry about God not showing up. Uh, he's already made a, a, a real statement here, uh, receiving our praise and worship. I'm glad I know Jesus today. How about you? You glad you know the Lord? Thank the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank the Lord. If you're comfortable to do so, look at your neighbor, and or at least cut your eyes over at him and say, I'm glad to see you. Thank the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated for a moment. Uh, it's great to see Anthony and, and Brittany here today. Great to see you guys. Uh, they came. It's been uh, maybe a, a couple of months. And uh, came and the Spirit of the Lord moved. And God filled Anthony up with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And, we're so glad to see them here today. Amen. Thank the Lord. But um, uh, He's going through a time of um, illness, uh, chemotherapy and whatnot. I deeply appreciate them being here today. And they've requested that we pray for him today. And uh, if y'all are okay, we'd like to have one of our ministry team first we do just come back and Maybe put their hand on your shoulder and pray for you. Is that okay? And uh, I want us to pray for him right now. This is a miracle in the waiting. And uh, if nothing ever happened, nothing bad or sickness or anything like that ever happened to us, then there would be no point in God's miraculous power. you would never need it. you would never see it. So I I personally believe when things happen, that's this whole COVID thing. God's going to turn this around eventually, and, and it's... Yeah, the church is going to blow up. I believe that in a great way, positively. And, uh, uh, God, God never wastes an opportunity. And uh, so, uh, but I'd like for us to take just a moment and uh, pray for Anthony, if uh, you, you brethren would. And uh, let's just take a moment and pray right now that the Spirit of the Lord would work, that the presence of God would heal, that we would hear testimony in the very near future that God has performed a miracle. Thank the Lord. Let's pray for Anthony right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for this good man. His heart right now is full of faith and confidence. You know what he's been through. You know what he's going through. You even know what is ahead for tomorrow. But I pray today that all of that changes in the name of Jesus. I pray that the Spirit of the Lord, would, as it has been manifest in this room, I pray God that it would go directly into his body and be made manifest again through the power of healing. That you would heal, that you would completely heal and restore him in every way in the name of Jesus. We ask it. In the name of Jesus we ask it. In the name of Jesus we ask it because it's by your stripes that we are healed. It's you paid a price for our healing. I pray, God, that you'd be kind, that you'd be good, that the Spirit of the Lord would work right now in Jesus' name. Let's praise the Lord right now and thank Him for hearing and answering prayer, shall we? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We praise you. We glorify you in Jesus' name. Thank you for that. And you may be seated. I want to take a a moment today. Uh, I would like to ask, has anybody missed... Brother and Sister Wheeler and uh, uh, we all have uh, and we're we're late in this announcement and I, I apologize for that but church has been challenging as we all know so we've just kind of waited till we had a, a, a good cross section of grace here and then plus folks are watching live stream but all of this what I'm about to tell you about them has happened rather quickly uh, there were some folks that met with him, I'll make this as short as I can, Uh, but there were some folks that met with him, about three families, um, that asked him to come to West Baton Rouge Parish and start a church. Uh, Their ultimate goal is to be in Port Allen, Um, but it it, kind of just happened real quick. They felt it was the will of God. We talked for several hours about it, and um, we're supportive of them. We're behind them 100%. And so um, last week, Sister Murph and I met them at their new building that they're renting. And uh, if you don't put that picture on the screen, uh, there they are in front of their new building that they've rented. Isn't that awesome? Amen. (laughs) And uh, uh, they took us on the inside. and. They're already in double digits. They've been in double, even with all the COVID stuff going on, they're in double digits and we're excited for them. Thank the Lord. And uh, so uh, we're behind them a hundred percent. And as a matter of fact, Grace Church took care of their first six months of rent on the building so they don't have to worry about that. And uh, so we're very, very happy about that. So I just think it's, it's amazing now there's a flip side to this I'm going to share with you in a second but I think it's wonderful when we have men and families that leave here to, to go plant a church it's the ultimate pastor's dream it should be the ultimate dream of the church and we I've committed to our ministry team here those that are alive and remain uh, uh, Brother Merrill and Sister Christy had to haul off to Tennessee and start a church whatever and, uh, so I, and, I, and now the Wheelers are gone. I, I don't ever stand between the will of God and a person's life. I don't get between that man and God when it comes to the will of God. But, buddy, I sure hate when it happens. I'll be honest. We love these people, man. And where I'm glad they went, I guess it could have been worse. They could have left and done something else. I don't know. But, uh, but I'm really excited for Brother and Sister Wheeler. This is a dream come true for them. It's been a lifelong dream and I'm glad the doors have opened. I'm glad that it's worked out. They're having a move of God. Uh, they have someone helping with, with, with music. It's all been done ethically, appropriately. I'm very proud of them. I'm very thankful for them. So uh, as you see their picture on the screen, I'll ask you to stand one more time this morning, and I'd like for us to pray for them, that God would put a hedge around them to save them from burnout and fatigue Uh, These are hard times. It's hard to start a church anyway, but you look at our environment right now that we're all aware of, and it even compounds it. So I'd like for us to pray that God will anoint them, give them wisdom, give them passion, compassion, all of those things that they can lead many, 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 many people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray for Brother and Sister Wheeler right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're so thankful for this amazing thing. in, they love you, they love your kingdom, they love Grace Church, and I pray in Jesus' name that as you have guided their steps unto this point for their whole life, all the things they've been through and experienced, it's no doubt has led them to this moment, and right now as they're having church, I pray that you would bless them, anoint them, inspire them keep them encouraged pray for a hedge around them the devil would like nothing more than to take them out to use anything any tactic any strategy to diminish them to diminish their ministry I pray God that they'll stand firm and strong That they will always be truth preachers always be truth teachers I pray in Jesus name that you bring them a harvest of souls of families that they can minister to, that they can help heal up, that they can get them oriented and then that family contribute back to the kingdom and be a blessing to them. Keep your hand on them, I pray, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord some appreciation. Thank the Lord. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. God bless you as Brother Dave
3: It's good to see you, Grace Church. It does feel good to be in the presence of God. There's just a sense of rejoicing and and just triumph and victory today. I know you feel that. I feel it. And so it's good to be here today, and it's great to see all of you. So welcome to the house of the Lord. Those joining us on live stream and Facebook Live, we're so glad you joined us today. I'm going to ask you to be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. Just going to take a quick moment and let you know what's going on this week around Grace Church. But before we do that, I do want to thank you for your generosity, for your giving to the kingdom of God, for uh, being faithful in that manner to the kingdom of God. And so today on your way out, you can give in the lobby or as always, you can give online on the website or through the app. Those joining us online certainly take advantage of that and give to the kingdom of God. So God bless you. In your giving, Amen. This week we do have a few things that I want to remind you of. Some things to keep in mind. Monday night, as has been our custom since really almost the first of the year, United Family Prayer at 7:14. This is for Second Chronicles 7:14. If my people call by my name, will humble themselves and pray. So we're going to pray. This is at home with your family on Monday night at 7:14, and then Tuesday morning, Tuesday morning prayer at 10 o'clock. Uh, right here in the sanctuary. So if your schedule allows and you can be a part of that, we would love for you to be a part of that prayer. Time as well, don't forget service Wednesday night at 7.30 here on campus. And then finally, last thing I do wanna remind you that on Saturday you have the opportunity to exercise your right and privilege as an American. And so I wanna remind you to go vote. There's an opportunity Saturday to vote, make yourself aware of what's on the ballot and, uh, and let your voice be heard as an american so god bless you remember these things participate in these things we're glad to see you i'm looking forward to what god's going to do today amen amen i believe he's going to do something good why don't you clap your hands as the praise team takes us into the presence of god
4: his name this morning. Praise him. There's no greater thing you're going to do today than worship God. The spirit of God saturates this auditorium this morning. Hallelujah. Somebody say praise the Lord serve a mighty God. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ this morning. Thank you, Sister Casey. appreciate you. I'm very humbled to be in this pulpit, this sacred desk. I'm humbled and honored to be here. I endeavor to be as accurate to the word and will of God that uh, that I possibly can be today. You may be seated. We're going to read our scripture text a little bit later. I do feel that I need to tell you how, very briefly, I, I normally don't do this, but I wanted to tell you briefly how I received this message. I was praying one morning, several months ago, at the beginning of this pandemic, we kind of marked the time in 2020 by whatever terrible thing is happening, so this has been the beginning of the pandemic around March or April. I was praying very early in the morning in my home. The Lord spoke to me, spoke to me a sentence, and I'm going to share it with you later, but it was the seed for this message. I'm going to talk to you this morning about the attitude of a bridge builder. If you've been paying attention to the messages and the move of God that has been going on in this place, You understand that God is doing something extraordinary. The Lord is drawing his church, the body of Christ, toward a place that it absolutely needs to be. He's drawing his body, his representatives, his ambassadors, his children, to a place that it needs to be. It's not just a place spiritually that God would like us to be, because sometimes we consider where God wants us to be to be optional. It is a position in relationship sometimes that we, we think is desirable, but we don't have to necessarily be there, while, while God considers it ideal. The place that the Lord is calling his children to in relationship, it is a place that is absolutely necessary for us to face what we're facing today and what we're going to be facing in the very near future. It's a place that is absolutely necessary. Necessary. God is calling his people to a place of spiritual action and maturity and depth and experience for our good. For our good. And when we consider that thought, we, we, we naturally like that term, Brother Steve, for our good. I, I like hearing that when God has something planned for me for my good. We like the implications of that term, we, we visualize a future that is created by God for our good. We, we, we think of all types of things. Our mind can visualize many great things. I'd like to read before we get to our main text, uh, Romans chapter a verse in Romans chapter 8, that but it's not going to be the bulk of where my, my texts come from. The primary part of my text this morning will be drawn from two places in God's Word. But we'll require context, and we're going to get that context from Romans chapter 8. The two places that we're going to be drawn to a little bit later is the, the first is the foot of Mount Sinai, and the second will be, will be the banks of the swollen Jordan River. But before we scrutinize the children of Israel in two definitive moments in their collective lives, let's read Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. It says, and we know this scripture. Many of you can quote it. And we know that all things work together for good. There's those words again. To them that love God. Now, only you can answer that. Do you love God this morning? Do you love God this morning? You see, only you can answer that, but I can, I, can, I can answer the truth to the next statement, to them that are called according to his purpose. You have a purpose in God. You stand here or sit here as children of Almighty God, conduits of the power that created this universe. You have a purpose. This is a single scripture with profound implications for humanity. We've read it so frequently and coded it so often that its meaning and application in our lives have, have become fixed to a single interpretation. We understand through what's written in his word that the purpose that I'm talking about is, is for us to be more Christ-like, to be the image of God, for us to be his emissaries and ambassadors to this world, for us to be saved and for us to be conduits through which he works in this world as he makes his appeal and expresses his power and love to those around us. We, however, we really like to focus on those specific words for the good, for the good. We interpret that portion of this scripture for the good as assurance that we will eventually ascend to or be preserved in some comfortable normal. That's what we want. We want for the good to be good for us, to be some comfortable normal. We want it to exist within our expectations, within the paradigm that we have for our own future. However, for you to get to that for the good moment in your life, you're going to have to go through all things work. Do you get, for you to get to the good place, you're going to have to go through all those things that work to get you there. These three words speak to a process. They illuminate the fact that there are things that we will encounter, places that we will find ourselves, that function within the purposes of God. We don't necessarily understand them, but they work to the purposes of God. They are all things. When you think of Joseph and Gideon and Rahab, you think of those people who who lived for a purpose. But Joseph had to go through all things before he got to his purpose. Those chaotic places that seem to be fertile ground for fear to take root are in actuality places of preparation and places of transition. It is in those moments as we stand in front of that obstacle, whatever that obstacle, some of you don't understand why you're going through what you're going through today because you live for God. You don't understand the obstacle that's been placed in your way because I pray and I live for God and I feel His presence. Why am I enduring this particular chaos in my life? These things, these obstacles, they stand in front of us for a reason, and we begin to appreciate that the barrier is really more about our perception and attitude about God and less about the vast unknown that we face. These things that have the potential, we think, to destroy us are actually there to refine us. They are, ladies and gentlemen, the environment the environment, the atmosphere where faith exists. They are moments that are placed in our path that require obedience to what we say we believe. All things is referring to those unknown places, those areas and times in our lives that we stand on the brink of chaos and uncertainty. All things is referring to the crisis. In your life, it's, it's referring to the flood. All things is referring to the separation from normality and the existence of uncertainty. All things is basically referring to the obstacles that we face in our lives. One of the most obvious current manifestations of this is that we are living in unprecedented times. I'm sick of hearing that, and that's a cliche that you didn't use Wednesday night. Unprecedented times. He saved one for me. I know that we're exhausted, no doubt exhausted from discussions of disease, but it is a condition that cannot be ignored or marginalized. We have mourned for our lost loved ones, and we are confronted every single day by the material out of which fear grows. Disease and the condition of our culture have brought our society to a complete halt. What we face, ladies and gentlemen, it is the dark valley. It is the flooded, impassable river. It is the void and the chaos of our times. You cannot ignore it. It is not meant to be ignored by the child of God. We stand upon the brink of the truly unknown. Humanity's self-assurance and confidence has been stripped from it. Its plans and projections reduced only obscure possibilities. To put it simply, we feel adrift in the unknown storm-tossed waters of this world. The problem is these conditions do not exist as a replacement to the normal crisis of our lives. You still have to pay your bills, ladies and gentlemen. They're simply added to the normal noise and confusion that stands before us as a flooded river, which brings us to a point of realization. When we face obstacles, we build bridges. When you and I face obstacles, we build bridges. We create structures to move us forward to our goals. When humanity encounters a barrier, it finds its own path around or through or over that barrier. We know the place that we want to be, so we're going to find a way to get there. We are willful, and we will get through the chaos of the unknown, with or without God. This is our mentality, and this mindset can, if we are not careful, rob us of a deeper, more profound experience with God. We don't create an emotional experience here at Grace the undercurrent that you felt here this morning as they were worshiping, that was the spirit of Almighty God. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Our reason that we are here is not to excite one another, but it is to connect to God and to be obedient to Him. This world creates religious structures that that are very similar to the real thing, but there's something that they lack, and that is the power of God manifested within them. God's not looking for another group of pretty Christian people. He's looking for people that will follow him through the flood. Praise God, what you do on the threshold of the unknown can determine your future and your experience and relationship with God. I'm not here to point to the obvious turmoil in your life. You don't need me to remind you of it. I'm not here to leave you adrift in the turmoil. I'm not here to tell you to start looking for your own answer, to work out your own path. I'm not here to give you plans for a better bridge. I'm here this morning to tell you you need to abandon your bridge and begin to walk forward in faith with God. Why do I bring up bridges? What is a bridge? If you search the word of God, you're not going to find the word in there as it relates to our modern understanding of that, that structure. If you do, tell me after church. Don't tell me now. I looked. Couldn't find the word bridge or the concept of bridge in there. And we know that there are many different kinds of bridges in the world. They, they take many forms, but, but they fulfill one purpose. It's obvious what they're there for. They, they, they span a chasm. We can't get from point A to point B, so we build the bridge, and, and that way we can get where we want to go. In ancient times, travelers would use things called fords, which were basically when the water got to a certain level, they'd pile stones, and that way they could get across. When the water rose, they couldn't, but that was a rudimentary bridge. They, it was too deep, they'd simply use boats. A bridge is an example of the industriousness of man, our ability to create and forge our own paths. We build bridges to help us subdue the natural world and further our own designs, to span the gap between where we stand and where we intend to be. We turn them in, we turn places of potential fear and difficulty into places of personal triumph using our own structures. We can see that place that we believe we should be, so mankind constructs the way forward. This structure is a product of our own imaginations and is built by our own hands and is subject to our own will. So the word for bridge may not be found in the Bible, but the attitude and the mentality that builds them is. It's represented throughout the word of God. It is the attitude that signifies the willfulness and the obstinance of man. The willingness of humanity to forge our own paths regardless of the design, will, or presence of God. Which brings us to the base of Mount Sinai, the, the children of Israel who were taken from captivity and brought to a place that they did not know. They did not have provisions to last them for a prolonged period of time. They didn't know what was going on when Moses ascended into mount, ascended up the mount. Exodus 32, chap- uh, chapter 32, verse 1 says this. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, they were untethered from what they knew. And the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Get up and make us gods, which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, we don't know where where he went. We don't know what happened to him. And Aaron said unto them in verse 2, Go and get the stuff that you understand. You go get the material that you're familiar with. That's part of your normal. You go get that stuff and you bring it to me. And all the people break off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron, and he received them into his hand and and fashioned it with a graving tool. Aaron did what he understood to do from when he was a slave. After he made it a molten calf, he said, "These, These are thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. The material of this world will lie to you and tell you that it can stand in the place of God. But nothing can stand in the place of Almighty God. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. He knew what to do. But he was doing it to the wrong thing with the wrong material. And they rose up early in the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, get, go get down for thy people which thou brought us out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. The children of Israel were standing at the base of Mount Sinai with an understanding of their destination. You know where you need to be, Grace Church. They were informed as to the covenant promise of God. They were made aware of the land that was their inheritance. They knew that they were meant for something more than bondage. The children of Israel were also not ignorant of the providence of God. They ate manna from heaven. They drank water from a rock. They were witness to the plagues that were used as instruments to to set them free. The Lord guided them through the wilderness, a wilderness or obstacle that was necessary for the purposes of God. They understood who their God was in a limited way. The time they spent separated from the influence of Egypt and its presence, and in the presence of God was designed, I believe, to, to reassert the sovereignty of Jehovah within their national ethos. However, at the moment, at that moment, as they stood in the place, in an unknown place, at the base of a mountain, they were not ready to face their enemies, nor were they ready to take possession of the land, nor were they ready to walk in faith with God. Why? Why? And this is important. Because there was the remnant of the influence of Egypt within them. This world, ladies and gentlemen, has the ability to influence those that, are li- that live within it. The ability to turn minds against those things that are holy and divine. The Israelites needed to become reacquainted with their God. They, when they walked out of Egypt, they still had the attitude of bridge builders. The brick dust was still in their nostrils. The the mud and mortar of slavery still caked under their fingernails. Their minds were bound to what they knew. They were still slaves to this world. In other words, they went to church, but still measured the significance of the obstacles they faced by the standards of this world and by the strength of their own hands. They may have been a people touched by the covenant of God, but they were not ready to walk and exist within the expectations and the manifested power of God. God said, I will dwell in them. I will dwell in them, and I will walk in them, and I will be their God, and and they will be my people. They were meant, as you and I are, to be a people bound to the presence of God, demonstrating, demonstrating to the world around them that God is real He is singular, and he is interested in the lives of his creation. Unfortunately, they were not at that moment equipped to accurately demonstrate God's reality. We need to understand something this morning. The demonstration of God's spirit in the lives of his children is most effectively accomplished from a place of surrender and utter reliance. Those chosen people, upon leaving Egypt, were vessels of the concept of a God. They held within their minds the vague outline of their creator. But because of the influence in the culture of Egypt, that concept of God was distorted. They didn't understand what he could do, which brings up the question this morning. What do you believe Jesus can do today? When you face COVID and, and when you face the problems of this world, What do you think God can really do? What do you think your God who created the universe, who spoke it into existence, who has saved you, what do you really think that he can do? As you sit at the the base of a mountain that you can't climb, as you are in a place of unknown that that you can't get around, what do you believe that your God can really do? As they sat alone at the base of Mount Sinai, God was trying to remove that bridge builder attitude, that Egyptian influence, and reassert his singular presence in the life of his children. How did he do that, you may ask? Through providing things, somebody needs to listen to this, through providing things for them that they were unable to provide for themselves, he did it through the all things work in their lives. They could not build a wall fast enough to keep out the pursuing Egyptian army. They could not build a bridge far enough to get across the Red Sea. They could not plant crops enough to feed them as they walked across the desert. They could not dig wells to drink from. They were required to depend on God in a place that if they didn't, they would die. We think that service to God and walking in faith is optional. But if you do not walk in faith in these times, you will die. God accomplished the changing of their bridge builder mentality through the introduction of obstacles. The Israelites were in a place that God called them into. They stood separated from the normal apparatus they turned to for the fulfillment of their needs. Why did they do that? So they could understand that they needed God. They found themselves in crisis. This place was in reality a place of instruction and revelation and opportunity. As they sat at the base of Mount Sinai, separated from Moses for 40 days, facing The vast, inhospitable expanse of the desert. Knowing where they wanted to be, they chose to build a God rather than to trust and abide in faith in the only one that really existed. We need to understand that walking with God is more than just knowing he exists. Those people turned a place of potential faith into another human construction site. When they built that idol, instead of being faithful to God, they were functioning within the parameters of a system that was not based upon God. They used methods that, were, that they were comfortable with to deal with the unknown in a way that made sense when they were slaves. They were, however, not standing at the base of Mount Sinai as slaves. They were the covenant children of Almighty God, the seed of Abraham. Heirs to a promise made by God himself. Within them flowed the line of Christ. These people would eventually be giant slayers and world changers. Yet they looked at the obstacle of the unknown and chose not to be obedient to faith. I don't know what your specific purpose is in this world. I don't know why God designed you, but I know that you're meant to be giant slayers, and I know that you were meant to be world changers. You weren't meant to be bridge builders when your God stands with you and in you. Hallelujah. They began to look around them for the materials that they recognized to build a way forward that they understood from their days in bondage. You are not bound to this world any longer. So you need to stop looking around in front of you at the unknown while you reach for the familiar things to build your own way across. There is more to relationship with Jesus, as I said, than knowing he exists. Having an awareness of God does not mean you actively walk with Him. And God needs people to walk with Him. We look around us and we wonder at the moments of chaos, at the, at the moments where we face obstacles that try and test us. It is in these moments that we have to decide whether we're going to start building a bridge, constructing our own way forward, It is in these moments that we choose fear based on the evidence in front of us or we're going to take a step forward in faith. We live in a world with an awareness of God, a a concept of the Almighty, but most people when faced with the raging chaos of whatever crisis that happens to erupt in their lives begin to formulate a plan that does not have God in its foundation but we're not going to leave the children of Israel there. Approximately 38 years later, we find God's people facing another obstacle, another test, another place of dependency and decision. They have walked through the desolate expanse of the wilderness for 40 years. And in that time, they've learned the lesson that we need to learn today. They have learned that trust in God is manifested best and most accurately in those places that are darkest and most difficult. Let me repeat that. They learned the truth that trust in God is manifested best and most accurately in those places that are hard, where you don't know where you're going to turn where you don't know where your help is from coming from next. Those are the places where trust in God is manifested best. We find those precious people standing in visual distance from their promise. But between them and the acquisition of that promise is the impassable obstacle of the Jordan River. It's interesting that they had been walking through the wilderness for decades, and yet it was this specific moment that God told them to cross. Because normally the Jordan River, you could walk, it was ankle deep, maybe calf deep water. It wasn't difficult at all under the right conditions. But during the springtime, during the time of harvest, you couldn't go anywhere near it. It overflowed its banks. And that's the moment when no ford was available. No boat could cross safely. It was at that moment that God said, okay, now it's time for you to cross. You made a mistake in the desert. You made a mistake at, at the base of Mount Sinai, but this is the moment before you can function as my emissaries, as my image in this world, you've got to cross a river that there is no other way you can cross except by my power. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know what COVID's done to you. I don't know what this society has done to you. But it's there for a reason. And it's there to show you and everybody else that you serve a real God. And he can make the way where there seems to be none. God needs people to accurately be his image. Not just another church assembly. God isn't looking for Christians. He's looking for followers. At that point, God was trying to make a point by making them cross at that specific time, and that point was this. The obstacle, ladies and gentlemen, that you're wondering about, no matter what it is, and it may be hard, I'm not diminishing it. That obstacle is not meant to be a place of defeat but a place of revelation. You need to see how great your God is. Praise God. Some of you need to reevaluate what's causing you to fear. Those people who were at one time, who at one time constructed their own paths, now stood by the banks of that violent, swollen river and chose to do something different. They chose to step forward in faith in total dependence on God rather than start building a bridge. Joshua three fourteen through 17 says this, and it came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over the Jordan. And the priests, those holy priests, which are representative of you, bearing the ark of the covenant before the people, and as they that bear the ark were coming unto the Jordan, that swollen impassable Jordan, the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped into the brim of the water for the Jordan overfloweth all its banks all the time of the harvest. That the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon a heap very far from the city of Adam that is beside Zeratán. And those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off. And the people, the people who built a calf who who used material to build a bridge in a place that they shouldn't have, those people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry land in the midst of the Jordan, in a place that they should not have naturally and normally been until all the people were passed clean over the Jordan. The priests who carried on their shoulders the Ark of the Covenant and the Mercy Seat, which was the place that represented the presence of God, walked into the chaos and were instruments of the miraculous manifestation of God's power. So i got to ask you a question this morning. And this is what the Lord spoke to me when I was in my, my, my living room praying, trying not to wake up my family. The Lord spoke something to me, and He said this, Why? Do my people build bridges when they serve a God who can part the waters? Why do you build a bridge when you serve a God that can part the waters? Why do you construct your own apparatus when you serve a God that can make the way as only He can? Every time we build that bridge, every time we step into that structure, of our own imaginations, we are declaring our attitude and our belief of the insufficiency of God and of our independence from His will and from His design. The obstacle that you are facing is not designed to destroy you, ladies and gentlemen, it is simply a place of decision. The sickness in your body, the place of decision. That loss of income, it's a place of decision. That unknown chaos of this pandemic, it's a place of decision. These are places that cause us to stop and to realize our limitations. There are moments that we must make a decision. That decision is either to adopt the attitude of the bridge builder, And thereby minimize God's influence and manifestation in your life or to embrace that moment as an opportunity for the expression of faith. Sometimes we wonder why we don't see the power of God manifested through us like we want to. Why don't we see the power of God expressed in our lives? I believe it's because while we're praying, we've got one hand on a hammer and another hand on the saw. We're looking for stones to build our bridge. And God's standing all time and saying, you know, if you put up those materials and trust in me, I'd show you what I can do. But if you want to build the bridge, go ahead. Sometimes that great impassable obstacle in your path It's in your path to bring you to a place where you must trust in God. We act as though we want God's hands. We want God to hand us plans for a better bridge so that our toes never have to get wet. We're going to have to remember these seemingly obvious facts for every victory there had to be a battle. For every miracle to exist, there had to be an environment of extreme need. We sometimes act as though we only like the idea of God. We are content in finding our own way, carrying our own burden, and relying on what's normal and familiar. Walking, Walking with God is expressed in more ways than a cute post on social media. Hallelujah. Relationship and walking with God is more than the emotional high that we feel when we choose to occasionally concentrate on Him. God's talking to somebody this morning. When we actually walk with the Lord, your feet, they're going to have to get wet. They're going to have to step into some hard places, some places that you would normally like to avoid. When, how does this happen? What do I do? What are you talking about? When sickness enters your, your life, pray. And then keep on living. When God opens the door for you to speak truth into someone's life, open your mouth and start talking. When you encounter hardship, don't turn back to that old life of enslavement to cope with it. Hallelujah. Stop trying to find ways around obedience to God's will in your life and begin to teach, preach, sing, and believe for the miraculous. I don't care how many times you prayed it. I don't care about your ego or your reputation. Whenever you're at the door of opportunity is open to you, you step into those waters. You begin to pray, and you begin to wait for a miracle from God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God's looking for a people that want to see a manifestation of His presence in their lives. Hallelujah. And you are in that place right now. Stop looking for the end of COVID. Stop looking for the end of social unrest. It's not going to stop. You shouldn't care if it does. It's just an opportunity for you to see the power of God manifested more. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So, Casey, why don't you come on up? We got our musicians up here. I want to tell you a little story. I know I'm over, but as you can tell, I don't care. I'll tell you I ought to get Heather to say it, but she'd shoot me if I, if I did. My daughter's my daughter's a bona fide missionary. She's in service to God. She's been obedient to him. And she made a way over to Finland for the last two summers for to be to be obedient to God. She stepped into some waters that she didn't. Understand now, you have to understand I'm very protective of my children. I'm a large man, and I will put that bulk in between them and danger. But I also know who I serve. So my daughter went, flew to another country for months. And she was standing, you may think this is my, my, you know, minor, but, but I don't. She had never traveled by herself before. And, you know, her mother and I were always with her in family vacations and such. And She was at O'Hare Airport. It is gigantic and very confusing for people that are seasoned travelers. You don't have much time to get from one plane to another. And she stepped off her plane to go to the next. Did everything she could. She got to a place she didn't know what else to do. She was confused, and fear began knocking on the door. Let me in. You Think you're a missionary. Look how scared you are in an airport. So she said a simple prayer. Said, God, I need your help. I don't know what what else to do. After she prayed that prayer immediately, a man came up behind her and says, You need some help? He was wearing a uniform. He took my daughter around lines that were had tons of people waiting through gates onto a bus, brought her to her gate, and said, You're gonna get off on the next one. I have to get off here. She She made her flight because we, we, you know, her mother and I said that was probably an angel. We, we don't know. He's just, we don't know. It doesn't matter the identity of the person. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter his identity. What he was was an answer to prayer. He was a manifestation of the presence of God in the middle of a flood of fear. That's the God we serve. He answers the little prayers. He answers the great big prayers. He raises the dead and helps a woman get through an airport. That's the God you serve. Praise God. Praise God. If you are in relationship with God this morning, this pandemic and the associated turmoil is surrounding it. it's, It's not a cause to fear. Why is that? You can stand. Because of 2 Timothy 1 and 7, it says, for God hath not given us a spirit of fear. He hasn't given us that spirit but of power, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. You were designed, ladies and gentlemen, to walk out into the, into the water. You were designed to walk out into the flood. The attitude of a bridge builder is the attitude of those enslaved to the model of this world. Somebody here needs to stop thinking like a slave to this world. You need to start thinking and acting like the high priest that you are. You can choose to stand on the banks of the river until the water recedes. You can choose to do that. Until you can build a bridge or cross under your own power. But listen to me, if you do that, the person crossing will be much like the limited and bound person who built an idol in the desert. That raging river in front of you is there for you to walk out into, not find your way around. You have a God that stands with you, ladies and gentlemen. He has committed Himself to you. He's committed Himself to you, not just in the good times, but in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the sickness, in in the middle of the darkest places of your life. He's still your God. If you hover on the banks trying to find material to create your own way, you are robbing yourself and those around you of the expressed presence. The manifest presence, the powerful presence of God. I'm going to ask you this morning God is calling some of you. You can stand in the pew if you want to, but that's not where the water's raging, it's up here. God's calling some people to to step out into the water, to put down your hammer to throw down the material of this world and begin to believe that He can open the door, that He can make the way where there seems to be none. Let's lift our voices to God this morning. Let's worship Him. Let's praise Him. Let's let that spirit that is saturating this auditorium move you into a place of obedience to the faith that you profess. Praise God. Praise God. Make your way forward. If you are comfortable this morning and I pray that you are, that you understand the power of God at work in this place, if you stand on the fringes of faith, if you have calloused hands from building your own bridges and constructing your own way, if your back is bent with the weight of your own failures and deficiencies, if your life is defined by your struggle and the fear that runs through you like a flood. I've got good news for you. I've got good news for you today. You can lay down your hammer and you can surrender to God. You can find that place of power and confidence an actual vibrant life transforming relationship with Jesus. Surrender your sins. Repent of what you've done yourself to God and let that spirit that part of those waters fill you this morning. You can leave this place the same way you came with the, with the mortar and the mud of slavery still under your fingernails or you can see the power of God manifesting in your life.